Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Jesus, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. All right, good to be with you. As always, it is Monday, March 25, 2019. It is episode 195 of the Anik and Florian Podcast. You know, TJ wants to do something, something special, Kenny, for episode 200. I don't know if uh, it's in the cards, but we're five shows away, so we got some time to think about it. Episode 200, that's crazy, man. Wow. If only people could go back to our initial conversation about launching this podcast and maybe some of your initial hesitancy, and maybe that's putting it a little strongly, but dude, we're coming up on four years, which is just crazy, of being weekly. Uh, Have only missed a few weeks in that time. Of course, one of those was a couple weeks ago. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen anytime soon. We have a ton to get to today. Longo's coming up in 11 minutes. I feel like we're already chasing the clock. We'll get to TJ Dillashaw uh, uh, and him getting flagged by USADA and, and vacating or relinquishing his UFC Bantamweight title. A lot of ramifications and implications there. Uh, but we got to lead the show with Anthony Showtime Pettis. I mean, all we could do off the air in our little pre-show meeting was just laugh, right? This dude with another highlight for the reel. I guess he called it a Superman hook. So not your traditional Superman punch. He did raise the knee, landed the hook. But big picture, this dude, former UFC and WEC lightweight champion, former UFC featherweight at times, moves up to 170 pounds and knocks out the number four guy in the world, one of the best strikers in UFC history, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. What else can you say about Anthony Showtime? Pettis? Dude, a- absolutely ridiculous. First of all, um, you know, we talked about this fight, and, and listen, I, I will analyze a fight, and I will do my best to analyze. As far as making predictions, th- this is what makes this sport so great. It is tough to make a prediction in this sport, uh, and Anthony Pettis took a fight that I believed was not a good matchup for him. Obviously, Anthony Pettis thought differently. Um, it was not going so well for him. Um, I, I think we saw that. It was a very difficult matchup for him. Uh, I thought Wonder Boy's speed um, was able to keep up. I, I thought he was able to keep up with the former lightweight champion, Anthony Pettis. He was doing a great job. He was landing shots. But 
Um, there's no doubt that he wanted to stay in the pocket. He wanted to pressure Anthony Pettis. He, typically, Wonder Boy likes to get in and get out. And while there was some of that, he was way more confident against Anthony Pettis. He was staying in that pocket. Anthony right. Pettis was returning with kicks beautifully. Uh, and then it was in the second round where he landed that hook. And you're right, John. It, it was not a Superman punch that was a straight right down the middle shot. It was a hook. And I think... Wonder Boy just never saw it coming, and those are the shots that always hurt you. I want to believe uh, that it's not Wonder Boy's chin that is going down. It was just a shot that right. he clearly just did not see. It was brilliant timing uh, by Anthony Pettis, and uh, man, what a win for his career. So what makes these Superman strikes so effective? Or I shouldn't say so effective, but what makes them as effective as this one was Saturday night? You know, typically when you throw a Superman punch, it's kind of like a feint. It looks like you're going to throw a kick, but instead you throw a shot right down the middle. So it's a tricky shot to read. Now, the way that Anthony Pettis threw it, um, he was actually kind of in a, in a square stance up against the cage fence um, right. and threw it. So when you throw a hook, it's outside the eye line of, of the fighter. So it's hard to read. Your brain isn't ready for that impact. And I think that's exactly what happened. And I think in order to talk about the shot that landed from Anthony Pettis, you have to talk about what Wonder Boy did or did wrong in that instance. He was, His stance was, in, was a little bit too wide. Uh, and when he went to adjust... His feet then just went very, very narrow. So when he was when he got hit by the strike, he was completely off balance. He was not in a position to absorb that strike. And because it was a hook, he didn't see it. And it was just the perfect storm uh, against Wonder Boy. And it was the perfect strike for Anthony Pettis. Man, what a shot. And if there's a knock on Anthony Pettis, John, we talked about this, is maybe he's not the toughest guy, or or maybe, you know, they say that, oh, you know, he, he kind of quits when when uh you know, the chips are right. against them, kind of like, you know, in the fight against Poirier, he was criticized for that. The right. fight against Ferguson, which I did not believe, uh, you know, I thought they should have stopped the fight in that fight right. against Ferguson. Right. But here he is taking damage against Wonder Boy, and he comes back and shows amazing heart and amazing adjustment in that fight against Wonder Boy at 170 pounds. Amazing. And he really is the antithesis of a quitter, despite the fact that that narrative gained legs to yeah. whatever degree at whatever time. And don't throw his 9-7 and seven UFC record in my face when I suggest that he's a UFC Hall of Famer, okay? Now, first of all, the Hall of Fame is subjective. So this is a monumental win for his candidacy to move up and do that to a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson type. And even though I think it's too simplistic to say Tyron Woodley had 50 minutes in the octagon and couldn't knock him out, there are different circumstances. You mentioned Thompson was more aggressive in this setting yes. and against this opponent. Um, but Anthony Pettis is a first ballot UFC Hall of Famer. Uh, he has been one highlight after the next. He has some. He has produced some of the most seminal moments in UFC history. He won the belt at 155 pounds and defended it, which, by the way, is a marquee belt that I put on a pedestal. Uh, this is a huge win, though, to your point, credential-wise, for, for Showtime, his Hall of Fame candidacy, and a career that had a middle portion that that wasn't all that strong. A 155-pound champ, that's all you got to say. Just just yeah. that alone, yeah. the fact that he was able to accomplish that is ex extremely impressive. Uh, he's had his bout with injuries, and um, he's also had wins at 145, 55, and 170 now. Uh, that's very impressive. Three fighters in UFC history with wins at 145 pounds, 155 pounds, and 170 pounds. Anthony Showtime, Pettis, Conor McGregor, and of course the first to do it, uh, born in 1976, Kenneth Allen Florian. We always like seeing Ken Flo's name. See, you're in those record books, rear naked choke submissions, and, and certainly nobody's going to ever be able to take away the fact that you won a fight in four UFC divisions. That guy was a punk. He doesn't deserve to be there. But, uh, you know, again, just the fact that Anthony Pettis was able to take this fight, just taking this fight against Wonderboy was impressive. Winning the fight and knocking him out, something that no one has been able to do, is just ridiculous. Um, tough situation now for Wonderboy moving forward. I'm sure we'll get into that, uh, what he needs to do to kind of get back into the title picture because right. you look at it, he was in a perfect position to maybe fight for the belt in one or two fights. Right. Uh, Kamaru Usman being the champion and it not being Woodley, uh, it had Wonder Boy in the driver's seat, and him not getting it done against Pettis uh, was a huge disappointment for him, I'm sure, and uh, very unfortunate for Wonder Boy. One of the nicest guys and one of the nastiest strikers to ever compete inside the octagon. Yeah, great representative of the state of South Carolina.
And we all know Ken Flo now has roots in that great state of South Carolina. Let's stay on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson here for a second because he's 36 years old. He started his MMA career 13 and one. And now he's 14-4-1. He has one win since June of 2016. So one win in the last three years. That was against Jorge Masvidal, UFC 217. So one win in the last five for Wonderboy. And he really wanted to compete in Greenville, South Carolina. The UFC is going to his home state for the first time, I believe, in June. So this is a big blow for more reasons than one. And that was one of the first things that, that Thompson articulated, I believe, from the hospital. That, of course, now he won't be able to compete in his native South Carolina. It's just this sport is crazy, man. It is so hard, and I don't know that there's any better example here on this Monday morning than Stephen Thompson, who had the MMA world by the balls at 13-1, and one, and now all of a sudden one win in his last five. John, it's exactly why I hate doing the main event challenge, Well, <laughs> but and, <laughs> it's so tough. It is really tough in this sport. It's what makes it so damn exciting, but it really is very difficult to make consistent predictions in this sport, dude. Well, and that's why a lot of MMA handicappers wouldn't love doing a podcast in which they have to pick every single main card fight, right? right? Because they're very selective and they pick and choose fights. You know, if I was looking at this fight card last weekend, you know, I liked Randa Marcos as an underdog, right? I thought there was some value there, but a lot of the sharps out there were on Angela Hill. I mean, it's just, it's very, very difficult, but I will say that for Anthony Pettis to be plus 390 or so, right? He closed about minus 270. He was plus 340 plus 345 on our podcast last week. Yep. But the fact that I was looking at a computer screen and saw him at plus 390 uh, at any point in time is just crazy. And quickly on Pettis before we get to Ray Longo. So he was ready to call his shot after the fact. He didn't say Conor McGregor right away. He wants to get the Rafael Dos Anjos fight back, and and seemingly that's a fight that could happen at 170 pounds, even though Dos Anjos now has a fight against Kevin Lee. He also mentioned the Edson Barboza-Justin Gaethje winner. Didn't close the book on a return to 155 pounds, but speaking of having the MMA world by the balls, Showtime Bettis has a lot of options. He does. He can go down to 155 now. I don't think... Um there would be a problem there. I think he could do very well still at 155 pounds. At 170, he's going to be undersized. And, uh, you know, the other challenge for Anthony Pettis, and it's been a big challenge throughout his career, is facing those high-pressure wrestlers. You have Kamaru Usman Askren, of course, he would not face. Uh, Tyron Woodley, he would not face. Those those were his teammates. He's trained with those guys. But those are some tough matchups there at the top of that division. Um, But, the Rafael Dos Angeles fight is interesting at 170 pounds. That's something I didn't think of, and uh, I think it would be interesting for the fans as well. Yeah, and of course, Dos Anjos has some unfinished business now in terms of a main event against Kevin Lee. I believe that's Rochester, New York. But yeah, that's a fight that you got to think for Pettis um, could potentially go down differently at 170 pounds. And just amazing when I think about you and, and Anthony Pettis and a lot of guys cutting to featherweight. You know, we're going to talk about Michael Johnson later in the program. And even though I didn't advise him making that move, it just seems so much more feasible when I size him up compared to somebody like you, the way you're built, or somebody like Anthony Pettis, who just had to struggle to such an extent even making 55. You love when a guy moves up and fights in his natural weight class and he gets the win because, in theory, there would be more Whitakers and more Pettises and more guys doing it. All right, Ray Long going about 60 seconds. First, this, though, from mybookie.ag. Brackets, first-round upsets. I'm sure a lot of you have brackets that are still alive. The final four is coming up in a couple weeks. March Madness is here, and it is time to bet with the best at MyBookie. Would you rather sit at your office desk or bang in sick and binge on NCAA tournament games and food that isn't good for you? Like that's even a choice. See, sometimes... It actually feels good to be bad, especially when it's with someone you trust and you can take it from me. If you're looking for a place to get in on the action, you can trust my bookie. I gamble there every day. I did not have a good weekend, by the way. We took it on the chin this weekend, Ken Flo. I was losing a lot of money on the NCAA tournament. So uh, we got some work to do coming up in the round of 16. So mybookie.ag has been in business for years. They're growing like wildfire. Really, this site has never been hotter than it is right now. And the best part is they pay out fast, and I can speak to that. When you call a 12-over-5 upset this year or when you project a team like Auburn to make it to the Final Four, they look pretty good. Make sure to celebrate. Make a withdrawal. You'll be pocketing cold, hard cash from mybookie.ag. I think this is the most exciting action-packed sporting event of the year when it comes to this NCAA tournament. My wife fills out a bracket. Everybody's getting involved. 
and you can too right now by placing your bets with MyBookie before you miss out. Bet with the best only at MyBookie.ag. You can try for yourself by visiting MyBookie.ag today. If you deposit right now, MyBookie will give you a 50% sign-up bonus up to a $1,000 bonus just for entering the promo code ANIC. That's promo code ANIC, A-N-I-K. You play, you win, you get paid only at MyBookie.ag. All right, let's get to the Ray Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. The great Ray Longo now joins us. Ray, you jump in the gun. I guess we should just do that organically, right? Instead of waiting for you to come on the line, we just put you on and uh, have you join the conversation. Organic. organic is always better. Organic. <laughs> I love it. What do we we got this week? Oh, what don't we have? Uh, You know, I I, I do want to get your thoughts on on Anthony Showtime Pettis before we get into this whole Dillashaw mess, or I guess it's not a mess from your standpoint, but but what were your thoughts on what Showtime Pettis was able to do to your your boy WB? WB, man, I love the kid, but uh, man, I thought that fight was going exactly the way I saw it going in my head, and uh, man, you got to give Pettis credit, man, he hung in there. Uh, and he eventually got what he, he wanted. Great win for Pettis. And it's funny, man. I talked to, uh, I was talking to Duke. I don't know when the, I guess at Aljo's fight. And we were talking about the matchup. He's like, you know, his brother Rick was a fantastic kickboxer. And he's probably the prototype to Wonderboy. And he's like, I've been around Rick my whole life. I know the style. I could do this. I could do that. And I was thinking, I was like, well, I don't know, man. You know, the guy's smaller. I don't know how you're going to get near him. And, but, man, he, he got it done. So hats off to uh, Duke Rufus and uh, Pettis for really surprising the hell out of a lot of people, man. I'm glad that you shouted out Duke Rufus. And there's a lot of people that deserve credit. Abe Kawa, Pettis' manager, right? There are a lot of people that felt like this would yeah. be a good move. And, man, did they maximize the opportunity that the UFC gave without them. A, without a doubt. You know, we were talking about Stephen Thompson before you came on the air. You know, at one point, 13-1, and one, now 14-4-1, just one win in his last five, which just seems crazy. And the fact that he probably now, because of concussion protocol or whatever, isn't going to get the chance to compete in South Carolina in three months is sort of, you know, the salt in the wound for him. And, uh, you know, it, it's a, he's, a, he's a great guy. He is universally beloved. And, uh, you know, one guy's thrill is another guy's agony. Yeah, and I got to tell you, Wonder Boy. I mean, if just even the videos he posts, that's the only guy that could lose a fight like that and probably gain another 200,000 Instagram followers. What a good dude. You know, somebody put up a, 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 a video of everybody that's been knocked out, like Garbrandt and Dillashore and those guys. This is my life, my passion. They're crying. Here's WB, man, sitting in the hospital bed. I'm crazy. <laughs> another day. And I mean, he's a great, he's a great kid, man. He really is. He's always good energy. Uh, I got to tell you, I didn't realize he was 36. I mean, he's got a baby face. I thought he was like 32. Yeah. So, you know, he's getting up there too for a guy with that style. And Kenny, I think you'll agree. That's not easy to do when you're hitting, looking at 40. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Henderson will knock you out when he's 60. That's not going right. anywhere. But when you're jumping around and it's a speed-based, you know, platform that you use, and that that stuff goes, man. So and, I, I'm I'm blown away by what he could do with 36. And Ray, to to your point, I have a question about that because. You know, I think it was one of those shots that the, that the brain just wasn't ready for. It was outside of his eye line. It really wasn't a Superman punch. It was more of a Superman hook. Um, yes. Do, do you think it was a case of maybe Wonder Boy fighting too long and, and maybe his chin isn't what it used to be due to the Woodley fight, the Darren Till fight? The last few fights, he's, he has gotten rocked. Is this a sign that maybe Wonder Boy is at the end of his career now at 36 year, years old? Or do you think this was a matter of Anthony Pettis landing the right shot at the right time? And clearly it was that that was the case, but is Wonder Boy starting to decline? Uh, I got to tell you, man, look, I mean, it, it, it seems as though it, there's nothing good like I'm looking at in that fight. I mean, he's a great kid and obviously I love him, but you know, that was kind of like the first time he got hit in the fight too. It wasn't like he was taking a beating. Right. So I think because he was kind of always got the karate stand sideways and that hook came at a certain angle. Uh, Cause I don't think it was the hardest punch, but he definitely didn't see it coming. And those are the punches that get you. 
but those follow-up two punches were literally brutal. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think he's going to have to reevaluate and really think what he's doing because obviously, you know, when you're knocked down in every fight, your chin doesn't get better. You know, it's not one of those things like, you know, you keep beating your shins with a stick and they get hard and hard. Your brain doesn't work like that. Right. You know, it, gets, it goes the other way, you know? So I think it's something he's going to really have to think about because he's a great kid. He's got a great family. The family business is fantastic. They're just expanding. Yeah. He doesn't need to fight. I think I'm going to say he's set for life. You see him with those kids. He loves what he's doing. So he's got to make some decisions that I, that I think will be the right ones. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I think to your point is you, you you can't really argue with what you're saying. You know what I mean? He's he's been down a number of times now, and uh, yeah, it's uh, he's going to have to reevaluate a couple of things. And he is 36. I mean, I, I thought like again, I thought he was 32 because he's got such a young appearance. <clears throat> yeah, and he's been fighting you know, for a long time. It, you know, before the UFC, he's got, he's he was doing striking. Fights, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's got 60 kickboxing fights, which is a lot. So, yeah, but how about Ray Longo I, still holding pads like a champion, right? I mean, how about you, right? No carpal tunnel syndrome there in Park <laughs> City, New York. Yeah, now let me tell you something. First of all, I'm in pain every day. Of my life. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, I got to tell you, John, I don't even know how I'm doing. I, I'm not even kidding. Ray, know, Ray's I, like I, Wolverine. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, sometimes I'm looking and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I'm 60 years old. How, how much longer great. can I keep going? is crazy well but, uh, it's gonna have to be I a while it, because so you have uh, yeah. a lot of high profile fights coming up and speaking of which i want to get to the statement Woo. from the now former two-time ufc bantamweight champion tj dillashaw to all my fans i want to be the first one to let you know that usada and the new york state athletic commission have in- informed me of an adverse finding and a test taken for my last fight while words can't even begin to express how disappointed I am at this time, please know that I'm working with my team to understand what has occurred and how to resolve the situation as quickly as possible. Out of fairness and respect to the rest of my division, I've informed the UFC that I will be voluntarily relinquishing my title while I deal with this matter. I want to thank you all in advance for the support. Okay, so that was the bomb that dropped a few days ago. TJ Dillashaw, no longer the king of the 135-pounders. And while we could spend 15 minutes on that news, I bring it up to you in the context of Aljamain Sterling because – even though he's coming off his biggest win over Jimmy Rivera, the expectation was, given how crowded the top of this division was, and given that it looked like Dillashaw and Marlon Marais had business and Henry Cejudo and Dillashaw might have had business, it seemed like Aljo was going to have to win one more fight. Then all of a sudden, this news drops, and a lot of us are thinking, man, Aljo is one of the chief beneficiaries, and at the very least, this takes one name out of the mix. What was your reaction when the Dillashaw news dropped a few days ago? Uh... Well, first off, really, really disappointed. Like, very disappointed. I like TJ. He's a good kid. We don't know the facts, but, you know, there was rumblings from years ago that he was doing stuff. And and it's it, it, it's upsetting to me because, you know, you try to do everything the right way. And then I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's almost like if you're going to do something, just shut your fucking mouth. Don't get on Rogan and start talking about training protocols and I didn't, you didn't get to see what Sam Calavita does or whatever. If that guy knew <laughs> that that kid was on something, the whole thing's just bullshit. That's where I have a problem. It's like, right. you know, I, you, I want to believe these guys. I want to believe that, you know, you train this way and you get a better result. Here's one thing that's for certain. Steroids work. There is no question yeah. in anybody. I try to convince you Kenny to do steroids his entire career. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Kenny, steroids work. I don't, like if I right. had a big, bodybuilder guy and he's telling me hey, just you know do the uh, go from the curls to the lat pull down machine rub some avocado dip on your <laughs> balls and then you're you know, I, mean, I don't want to hear it you know what i mean like you want to believe this shit right you know but i don't want anybody could get big using steroids and every anybody could get enhanced using steroids or performance enhancing drugs so to me i think this is a big problem for tj because i think he is a good guy and it is going to tarnish him. And I think he's, you know, he's got more of a conscience than a John Jones who just doesn't give a fuck about anything. You know what I mean? So it's a great, I think this is great a problem point. For him, but, it's really going you know to, it's really going to be hard for him. Uh, and I'll I tell you, it's going to uh, be hard. Cause I think he's a guy that really works hard at his craft. He's super talented. He's a student of the game, but this shit is not good. And you know what I mean? Cause I deal with like, you know, uh, 
nutrition guys and everything, and they got a list of everybody's bullshit. Oh, this guy's doing this, this guy's doing Yeah, guess what? This guy's fucking cheating. We're trying the hard way. We're and, trying and, to eat right and do it. You know, I'll, and it's just chime in. it really does. I'm a, I'll chime yeah, in on why it's going to be that much more difficult, Ray, because, you know, not only is it going to tarnish his name, but how do you come back mentally? And we've seen this before. I know I'm not going to mention any names, but when you see these guys that are coming off of using or getting caught and now they can't use mentally, yeah. physically, they're not the same guy. And that's the no. big thing. That's one of the major problems with using and then not using is that mentally, physically, you're not the same guy. You can't rely on that stuff anymore. And I think that's exactly. going to be the big challenge, I think, for TJ going forward is at one point, you know, myself and I think a lot of other people were considering, you know, as one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world. Now, exactly. I don't know. And then how did he get there? That's the big problem. Exactly. And then here's, here's what, now, and then we got to deal with this other problem. Now, they're already, you know, planning their defense. You know what? You know, I cycled five years ago, and because I went down to 25, my liver stores released the picograms, and it's, 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 the whole <laughs> shit's coming up. The bottom yeah. line is me, you, John, you could take our blood from here until fucking 2098. Right. We, right. You're not finding a picogram of anything. Right. That's the well, problem. Right, and that and was the issue. Start, like, and, like, again, it makes it worse when they get on, like, a, a public forum and they're passing out information, like, knowing that it's bullshit. Like, that part is crazy to me. You know right. what I mean? Because that takes a, a special guy, man. That's not easy to do. Well, and I know? think, yeah, so, a lot of us are, are still awaiting word on the substance and, and we want to hear sort of what the, the ramifications are, but you're absolutely right. Ray for guys like Henry Cejudo and Ben Askren and Daniel Cormier and the Olympians who've yeah. been tested and pricked their whole lives, never a glimpse of anything. Uh, you want to give TJ the benefit of the doubt in some respect, but I can understand why for a lot of people, it's hard to do that. Yeah. It's almost like any of these guys now, cause I know Chris sent me the news, you know, I woke up and I, you know, I call him like, you know what, man, even like, you know, because we're always researching books and listening, but I think everybody that writes a book should be publicly blood tested at this point. Cause again, I don't want to, if you're using shit and you're looking great and you're writing a book on, this is what I did to get there. And there's nothing, right. you, no right. mention of using, I, I don't want to hear it. I mean, right. like we know we could do it that way. That's a given. Give yep. me the right way. You know what right. I mean? Like, you know, Oh, I know. That, I, it, it, it really was. This one, this one hit me harder because, like, again, I like TJ and I know he's a student of the game, and but I think it tarnishes everybody. I'd like to get an interview with Sam Colavita. I mean, he was taking right. half follicles. He was taking blood. Right. Nothing right. showed up. Easy right? to train. Easy up. to train when you're feeling great. Not so easy exactly. to train when you feel like crap and you're sore as hell. <laughs> exactly. And that's my point because I have to deal with it as a trainer. You know what I mean? The easy way is just to put everybody on everything. Well, and so. and the thing too, right, is I always said if I'm a clean athlete and all of a sudden there's some supplement or whatever, like certainly it's on you. But, man, you scream innocence from the rooftops. You know, you don't – that initial statement is like I have no idea, you know, and sometimes when you don't get yeah. that from guys, you and, know. And, and John, can you answer – this This was the test from the Garbrandt fight in no, New York? No, this was the oh, no. post-fight test after the Cejudo fight. Cejudo, okay. All right. Sorry. Oh, I'm saying this is going to tarnish his fights with Garbrandt. It's going to tarnish – I mean, I think he's – I think – and I got to tell you, I don't think he's a moneymaker for the UFC, so he's going to get completely thrown under the bus. They ain't moving no fight from Vegas to California for him. Right, you know, right, so right, I think right. he's he's got other issues to deal with, but uh, it, is, it should it's, it's it should really be interesting. I mean, no, it's I know. really, really, really. I I think it's really unfortunate because again, I think the guy really, you know, I I, I know he was a student of the game. I've talked to him. I've met him. It, I I I don't get it. I really don't get it. I All right. So as know, far I, as go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, like, you know, I don't know. Like, honestly, if my guys were doing anything, they, they 100% they would never tell me. That's a fact. So, right, so right. but I got to tell you, anybody gets popped, I think the culture in here is going to be pretty harsh, to be honest with you. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, you right. have to surround yourself with like-minded people. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't even know. I don't no, even I know. understand I just, how impassioned you are. You know? 
Yeah. yeah. When you when everybody in your gym is perennially squeaky clean, uh, you know, yeah, I and understand. And, and we don't look. I'm saying that I, I have a hundred percent in my knowledge, squeaky clean. But even for me, like dude, I'm, I'm I, you know, I think about going on TRT. I would make holding the pads easier, get rid of some of the tendonitis in my elbows. I don't know. And you know, I'm not, I'm, I could do that. I'm not competing with anybody, but I still. But I tell you, when I do it, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know about it for sure. Oh, we'll have to go back on video by then. What are you waiting for? You must just have a whole lot of, of testosterone ripping through you, huh? <laughs> no low T no for Ray Longo? At, at, let me tell you something. At 55, it was a joke in the gym. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had a blood test. My testosterone was like 753. They said they were, everybody was calling. That was bullshit. So <laughs> wow. I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is now, but hopefully it's in the four. Hopefully it's at least four hundred, five hundred. I don't know. All right, we're gonna have but, to be we're gonna have to be economical with these final five minutes that we have with you. I need to know how you think all of this impacts Aljamain Sterling because since I, I obviously the, the yeah. Well, I just want to alert our listeners to the fact that Dana White seemed to intimate over the weekend after the Nashville show that Henry Cejudo and Marlon Marais would be next for the vacant UFC Bantamweight title. But your guy, Aljamain Sterling, along with Pedro Munoz, those were seemingly the three guys who were considered. Looks like the fight's going to Henry. Uh, Look, Marais 100% deserves the shot. There's absolutely no overdue, if anything. Uh, Oh, that wasn't even a question. Being a champion. You know, that's uh, the Cejudo thing is, is a little weird, but, you know, they were going to close out the division. He did beat Dillashaw, so I don't really have a problem with that. Um, and I think Aljo, you know, was in a, in a great spot. And Aljo should definitely be ahead of uh, Munoz, I think. But uh, I think Aljo's right where he wants to be, and who knows, something can happen in this fight where somebody gets injured and he's right in there. So I think Aljo's right exactly where he wants to be. And uh, given the winner of Cejudo and uh, and Marais, I think that's fair, too. Yeah, I hope that that you guys wouldn't take a fight with Pedro Munoz. I think you need to bide your time. And I, if I were you, I'm training for that date for, you know, Marais. Oh, without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. No, that's 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 definitely the game plan. Without a doubt. I know Dana White also intimated that Juicier Formiga and Joseph Benavidez were going to fight, and maybe that would produce a backup. I'm not sure that would make sense for a 135-pound title. but Yeah, uh, I, don't, I didn't understand that. They're going to fight no at sense. 25, but in case yeah. one guy gets hurt, they'll go to 35? Yeah, no, 25, I think... 35, same right. thing, right. right? Same thing. Yeah, 25, 35, <laughs> 25, 6 Who's to counting? 4, who knows? <laughs> Who's counting? Whatever it well, takes. Anyway. Either way, if I have a top five bantamweight in my gym in 2019, we have spent so much time over the last six months talking about this division and the fact that it isn't moving forward expeditiously. So I know the Dillashaw news, we can isolate and we spent 10 minutes on it. But big picture for you guys, anytime one of these guys is out of the mix, whether it's Cody getting knocked out by Pedro, you know, all of a sudden a month has passed and Garbrandt and Dillashaw and Cruz, they're all completely out of the 135-pound mix, Rick. Isn't that yeah. crazy, man? Look, and not for nothing. I mean, I got two guys. I mean, Ian Quint is right on the cusp. He's got a tough fight with Cowboy, obviously. But something, you know, he's, he's right where he wants to be, too. So it's a great time for the gym. Both of those guys are super great guys. I love them both. And uh, I think 2019, you don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, keep our fingers crossed and things go right. We could have another couple of champions. Well, maybe if, if you, yeah, if one of the, if both win a belt, you got to get on that testosterone and just go crazy, you know. <laughs> I but, went uh, crazy this weekend anyway. I feel good. Good. Uh, yeah, so 40 days out for this fight between Ally Quinta and Donald Cerrone. You were tight-lipped a week ago. It seemed like right when we got off the air, that fight came to fruition. That's uh, that's a huge main event, and I know you like Al over five rounds, right? Oh, I love him over five rounds. Love him. He gets, re- even in training, he gets stronger as the rounds go on. I think he's proven that in his fights. And uh, I, I, Like I told you a while back, I don't even want to see him ever fight a three-round fight again. Right. Well... Ally Quinta in a headlining spot yet again against Donald Cerrone. It's the main event coming up May 4th, 40 days from now. That means Ray Longo's got to update that passport and get your ass to uh, to the great white boy. Yeah, and, 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 and Ray, it's thanks for exciting. not breaking that news on the podcast, by the way. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, appreciate that. That's great. I don't think I had to have that news yet. Can, we, can anybody prove <laughs> that I actually had the news? 
Get out of here. Well, get out of here. Well, hey, go go call Matt Sarah. Have him call Dana. So yeah, exactly. And then do what? <laughs> and get Aljo. Get Aljo as the backup for Rice and Cejudo. Yeah, I think that's going to be the game plan. We will jump on that. But you guys have me so amped up today. I got to get going. All right. I got people waiting for me Thanks. outside. I'm out of All my right. mind. <laughs> you are out of your fucking skull. You are. Anybody, anybody listening, don't do steroids, please. There you go. And if you That's do good. it, if you do it, please don't tell uh, anybody. Unless you're go. a 60 year old pad holder. Okay. All right, buddy. All right. There he is. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, talk. I'll talk to you, plus. Yeah. Ray Longo. Just doing right by that 60 plus crowd. Does he qualify as a senior? Probably not yet. <laughs> Doesn't have a gray hair on his head. He's Absolutely. at the early bird special, though, for sure. There's no yeah. Oh, he's hitting that early bird special. Paleo, but early bird special. Right. All right. So quickly to put a bow on this bantamweight division stuff. Right. So the decision seemingly would have come down to Aljamain Sterling and Pedro Munoz if Henry Cejudo was going to continue his career by saving the flyweight division. Right. Now, I got into it with a few people on Twitter about this. So I wanted to go a little bit longer and get Ken Flo's thoughts on this before we make our picks for the Philadelphia card this weekend. So essentially, Henry Cejudo has a case, and his case is rooted in the fact that he was going to get the TJ Dillashaw fight at 135 pounds because he knocked out the Bantamweight champion, granted down a division at 125 pounds. So a big part of Cejudo's case, Kenny, is that he had the Dillashaw fight, right? It was not verbally agreed to, but they were moving to make that fight. When Cejudo and Dillashaw fought the first time, I thought it made more sense at 25 than 35 because Cejudo wouldn't have deserved to cut the line in the Marices of the world, Correct. right? But now, I think that even though his case maybe isn't as strong as Pedro Munoz's or Aljamain Sterling's because he hasn't fought at 35, I think Cejudo's worthy, and I think in a lot of respects, this is the fight to make. Listen, I, I think you're right, and also... <sighs> You know, what does this mean for the 125 pound division, too? I mean, does this mean that basically they're getting rid of it? If especially if Cejudo wins this, uh, a lot of questions here. Um, but I do agree with you, him being the champion on 125 pounds makes it that much more interesting, uh, in my opinion. And you look at what Henry Cejudo has done in his last couple fights, man. It's just ridiculous. Defeating Demetrius Johnson, uh, knocking out TJ Dillashaw, um, you know, being an Olympic gold medalist, uh, you know, the fact that uh, people know who Henry Cejudo is and yeah. he has one of the more impressive combat sports resumes uh, around. So I don't have a problem with it. I think it's well-deserved. Uh, Cejudo uh, has done everything he needs to do to, to make this fight. He's been very vocal about wanting that fight. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's a great one because of it. And I think this era of the super fight really is circumstantial, right? I don't think two years from now there are going to be all these guys who are moving up and down. I think a lot of it just has been circumstantial more than anything else, Kevin. Yeah, and John, you probably have an answer for this. What's going on with, with, with uh, Mr. Cruz? Is Dominic uh, still injured and coming back? Because we have forgot about uh, we have forgotten about Dom. Right, and again, I injected his name into the mix sort of out of respect for the body of work. Sure. He has always felt like he's going to have to produce one win before that next championship gotcha. opportunity, but he he doesn't believe he should have to. He wants to come back and fight for the title. He doesn't believe in ring rust, but he's going to miss the balance of 2019. So wow. he's doing physical therapy right now, but realistically, he wouldn't be able to get into training camp until this summer. I think maybe fourth quarter is even ambitious. Gotcha. So. Uh, is a pretty invasive procedure, unfortunately. But you can Dang. be sure. I mean, he's still he's going to go like hell to try to make another run at this thing, if not right. two. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Cejudo said he wanted to save the flyweight division, but not at the expense of his own career and this opportunity to make more UFC history. So I respect Cejudo for wanting the fight. And again, even dating to his UFC debut, Kenny, and, and dating to some of his struggles making flyweight, even though he's mastered the weight cut right now, he's always talked about a future at 135 pounds, the division in which he thinks he can do his best work. So this was an eventuality for Henry Cejudo. And again, in terms of a meritocracy at 135 pounds, in terms of pure competition, I'd probably give the shot to Aljamain Sterling, right? Because he has the body of work at Bantamweight. Um, but don't tell me, Ray Longo, that Aljo's more deserving than Pedro Munoz, who just knocked out Cody Garbrandt, who had the higher ranking than Jimmy Rivera, right? So a lot of layers to it. I think they're moving in the right direction. One thing that was clear beyond a shadow of a doubt was that Marlon Marais was going to be competing for that vacant UFC Bantamweight title and certainly overdue for Magic Marlon Marais.
So it's UFC Fight Night Barboza versus Gaethje this Saturday night. But we are not bringing on this man to talk about Philadelphia. We're, we're bringing on this man to talk about Nashville. If you heard our show last week, you know that Ian Parker is angling to be our permanent guest picker and the sole Jeez. representative of Team Anik. You know, I still got my, my guy, man, Preet Jahas, MMA lock of the night out there and some other cappers that we've used on the show that deserve consideration. But with 100-plus people in the queue, Ian Parker knows how to make his picks. Nine to three over the flow last week. Oh. And he joins us now live. IP, how are you? I'm good, guys. How you feeling, Kenny? How you feeling, uh, bro? Uh, the ego is bruised, my friend. What the hell? I mean, come on. Are you setting up these fights? Are you paying these fighters? Are you, did you pay off Wonder Boy? That's what happened, uh, right? Probably. Ridiculous, you know what? dude. I, <laughs> you know, I remember a certain part of our conversation that went kind of like this. Ian, your analysis went so well through this entire thing that you completely <laughs> blew it, making Pettis in the second round. And I was laughing because, you know what? I kind of agreed with you, but <laughs> right, not right. this time, my friend. <laughs> dude, unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. So Ian actually has the bankroll to, like, pay off a fighter, but we know Stephen Wonderboy Thompson would never do that. Uh, but, Ian, you know, I, it's a tricky thing because I have, like, 100-plus names in the queue. And, you know, you beat Ken Flo twice head-to-head. I think your analysis is astute. You're obviously a student of the game. You're watching every UFC fight card. You're also able to do it in a concise manner that doesn't offend our listenership, which I like. But I got 100-plus names in the queue. You know, I'd like to have you back on sooner rather than later, but I'm, I'm just not sure how to proceed here, despite the 9-3 to win last week. <laughs> um, well, listen, it's, it's your guy's show, so it's completely up to you. However, the difference between me and every other capper out there is my background with the sport as it is, from fighting to managing guys like Chris Wyman, John Vellante, to owning one of the more popular brands in Cage Hero. I sponsored guys like Daniel Cormier before everyone knew who he even was in Strikeforce. I actually had him on the Challenger Series. I had uh, Josh Thompson against Jason Calvacante. You know, I had Misha Tate in the tournament where she won two fights in that one night. So I'm not just your random... uh, Big right. fanboy that just kind of came out of the blue that throws these picks on Twitter. And it's no disrespect. A lot of these guys, they're making good picks out there. I see the websites. I talk to a few of them. They do know it. But the difference between them and I is I've been part of this sport for a really long time. I know a lot of the fighters in and out. Um, one time when we all meet in person, I will show you guys the email that Joe Silva was forced into me becoming his best friend because I would not leave him alone when he told me that, with Chris Weidman, I was not looking for, we don't want another wrestler, Ian. Who the hell are you? Well, when I sent him 38 emails until someone fun- finally got injured, and that's <laughs> how Chris got into the Alessia Sakara fight, and then uh, getting him to give Costas Philippou his chance, you know, and John Vellante, it's just, there's a history there. Right. And sometimes it also comes down to chemistry and connection. And I think if you guys give me that chance, we're going to do the next part in the interruption MMA style, and ESPN is going to fucking sign us. And wow, let's do it. So Ian Parker, the conduit through which we're going to get signed by ESPN. You know, I, I actually think you and Ken Flo going head to head. I mean, you know, I got so much love for my man, TJ DeSantis. But maybe when I get influenza B in two weeks, you can fill in <laughs> co-host with the flow. <laughs> Listen, uh, I don't wish the illness upon anyone. But if you guys ever need me, um, yeah. I'm like the Donald Cowboy Cerrone of podcasts. I'll go short <laughs> notice. I don't care about I don't care about the weight class. Just put That's me in. amazing. I want to fight. All right, I'll get you out of here on this. Edson Barboza, minus 155. Justin Gaethje, plus 125. Pretty close fight on paper. Lightweight main event this weekend. Do you have a lean one way or the other? I do. Um, You know, the problem that I have with a fighter like Justin Gaethje is that he's just relying way too much on the brawl and the entertainment of fans, and he really gets away from what his career started off at with his wrestling. And I think um, when Kenny and I spoke about this with Barboza against Dan Hooker, Barbosa's takedown D has really evolved over the years, and he is not a stupid fighter striking-wise. You know, very high-level IQ in that department. I have a hard time seeing him, A, mind game-wise, he doesn't fall into it. He does not fight emotionally. And, look, if you take out Justin Gaethje's legs, he can't brawl. And we both know the most dangerous kicker probably of all time has to be Edson Barbosa. I think Edson Barbosa kicks his way to victory again. I don't think he gets into a situation – you know, when Gaethje fought Vic, um, Vic, James Vic, the problem with James Vic and everyone, Kenny, I think you even pointed this out, 
is that when Vic backs up against the cage, his hands are low, but his chin's up. Straight you know, up. and what they kept saying in his fight against Paul Felder is that as long as this guy doesn't pretty much keep back up against the cage, there's nowhere for his chin to really go any higher. And I don't think Edwin Barbosa is that guy that makes those mistakes. So unless Gaethje catches him in a wild thing, I just don't see it happening. The kicks will keep it at range. And I think Barbosa takes this victory and moves on. And I think Gaethje really at some point is going to have to say to himself, I'm a lot of fun to watch, but if I really want to win and get to top-level competition, I got to threaten the takedowns in order for the striking to really be effective. All right, there he is, Ian Parker, bringing it as usual. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Looking forward to it, guys. Appreciate Great it. Job, there dude. it is, Ian Parker, going to lay 10 Gs on Edson Barboza. I don't know how these married, these married men with children can put 10. Well, I guess because they win. That's probably how. Yeah, they, they probably also have a, a lot of money in the account, so they could— yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's, his bank grows a lot better than mine, for sure. All right, pronunciation of the week time. It is brought to you by May Rocky BJJ. As many of you know, this is a gym, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu facility co-owned by our own Kenny Florian, along with the great Jason Hunt. May Rocky BJJ, 11677 Santa Monica Boulevard, Los Angeles, California. MayRockyBJJ.com. Kids can sign up for a free class right now. MayRockyBJJ.com, or you can call 424-389-4038. Or if you want Ken Flo's cell, 508 <laughs> All right, TJ, get your uh, mic funny. hot. This fighter represents the hottest team in mixed martial arts at present. Fortis MMA in Dallas, the African Savage. 6-0 and makes his UFC debut Saturday night on ESPN against Bear Jew, Paul Craig, TJ DeSantis, of whom am I speaking? Oh, I think you're speaking of Kennedy and Zuchukwu. Oh, man, see... I love you, bro, but it's almost like, like, do you not care about your record in 2019? <laughs> hey, like in 2017, it's like you me with predictions. Shit. It's like me with predictions right now. Hey, yeah. hey, yeah. I, I have no reference, no point of reference on this one. Like, I, I was trying to, you know, figure out how I could, you know, Karolina Kovalkiewicz this one and, and right. use my yeah, my uh, background, but I, I got nothing. This is I looked at this thing and basically my tongue just left my mouth. It wasn't going to work. It's this is right. terrible. Thanks for this. I appreciate it. So on paper, it's N Z E C H U K W U, and he doesn't cheat, right? See, I sent TJ the file, Ken Flo, and he's not listening to it. TJ, it's exactly how it's spelled, man. Just just say it. Really, not right. that hard. Well, I, I, I think I right, say, Kennedy, right or, or say, Kenny, I, Kenny, you go, you go. Uh, John probably knows. Uh-huh, how to say it. Well, uh-huh. I, I need to practice more between now and Saturday night, but I believe it is Kennedy in Zechaku. Let's hear how the man says it. Kennedy in Zechaku. Kennedy in Zechaku. Kennedy in Zechaku. So there you have it. So easy, TJ. It's so uh-huh. easy. It's right there. Exactly how it's spelled. All right, Florini. Well, the Invicta FC play-by-play man TJ DeSantis is nothing if not a good sport, but alas, he falls to 0-3 for the pronunciation of the week in 2019. And speaking of that main cod, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, this weekend you can see it all live on ESPN. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. Florida. I finished fights! I'm going to do everything possible to win. The Main Event Challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. All right, so it was 36-29 for Team Anik going into UFC Nashville. As you heard, Ian Parker, best of the flow, 9-3. Five points on the Anthony Showtime Pettis win. Three for him as an underdog, or excuse me, four for him because he was plus 340. Four points for that and one point for the round. 9-3. That nope. means the lead, Ken Flo, 45-32. But again, uh, look what you did in 2018. You made that double-digit lead look like a piece of fucking shit and just shoot it up, spit it out, rally for the win. So, this could be insurmountable, though. This is Well, this is it, tough. Is, it is a huge start to 2019 for Team Anik. We're looking to keep it going today. We're calling on Kyle motherfucking Lund. That's how he wanted to be introduced. <laughs> Representing the great state of Washington. Kyle, we had you on the show in 2017 and you have been so persistent over the last two years to get back on the show and so respectful along the way that I had no I had no choice but to bring you back. So welcome back. You're on McKempla. Thank you so much. I feel like Max Holloway right now. Straight up blessed to be here, boys. And Ken Flo, last time I didn't get to talk to you, your phone line dropped out. So that that's kind right. of sucks. But, uh, oh, but man. That's okay. That's okay. But um, thanks for letting me on, guys. I'm super excited. 
Well, we're happy to have you once again. And Ken Flo is not going to cut out today. He's on really good equipment there in, in Venice, California. I also want to say for the rest of you who have emailed the show, Podcast at gmail.com, you are on the list and you might get the call as early as next week. So everybody in the queue, be ready. We're going to get to all of you uh, as soon as humanly possible. So UFC Philly, first fight on the main card, Kyle, in the featherweight division, Sadiq Youssef out of Maryland by way of Nigeria, minus 175, the favorite against the California-based Brazilian, Shaman Marais. Kyle Lund, who do you like? All right, so first off, I do want to apologize to my kids, Tatum and Jax, D.C., and my mother for this. <laughs> um, but uh, Shaman Marais, this is actually a very great prospect fight. This is actually going to be a really fun one for the fans. Um, I see a lot of these fights tonight are actually pick-ems. Um, right. Any of them can be fight of the night. Um, it's actually going to be incredible. Uh, Shaman Marais is an in-and-out power striker. He fights a little tight, which wastes a lot of energy. Um, he doesn't really like the pressure when people put it on him, but his elbow work is absolutely amazing, and uh, he loves that rip lean over to the body. He's a little heavy on his front leg, which I don't like for the style that um, Yosef's going to bring with that crazy calf kick he throws. Oh, my goodness, watch the fuck oh, out with that. Um, when he does kick, when uh, Marais does kick, he likes to lean back, falls away. He loses a lot of, of uh, power on that, which I really don't like. So that kind of stands out to me as well. But uh, Yusuf has a uh, super talent. Uh, man, this kid is super pretty to watch. Uh, he does a lot of sample size to him, but um, his kick speed is incredible. He stays relaxed and flowy. He has pretty good J- BJJ, but not that great. Um, he's still up and coming. But for this one, I do got uh, Sadiq Yosef, second round, TKO. Ken Flo Sadiq, a lot of hype behind him, rightfully so. Lloyd Irvin trained, two-minute knockout in his UFC debut back in December, getting a step up in competition here against Marais, whom I know you're familiar with, obviously trains there in Los Angeles. Only UFC loss for him in his debut against Zabit Magomed Sharipov. That was back in 2017. Your thoughts on Sadiq Youssef and Shaman Marais. That's right, and, and no shame in that loss to Magomed Sharipov. Um, but I, I think Sadiq Youssef... I, I, I like his style. I'm not sure I was so sold on him until his last fight. I really like his technique. I really like his speed, his fluidity. Uh, I think Yusef matches up very well here against Morais, and uh, I expect him to get the win here in this one. All right. Sadiq Yusef, minus 175 here as we sit here on Monday morning. All right, next up, title eliminator, I guess, of sorts in the strawweight division. Most believed next title challenger after Jessica Andrade is going to come out of that Nina Ansaroff, Tatiana Suarez fight. But this weekend, Kyle, main card, sixth-ranked Karolina Kovalkiewicz, minus 150 against number nine, Michelle Waterson, who comes back at plus 120. You like Kovalkiewicz or the karate hottie in Philly, Kyle? So this one's going to be pretty in, bo- in more than just one ways. Uh, Carolina single-ply Kovacavich versus the Karate Hottie is going to be an outstanding scrap. Both of these women are actually evolving very well in this ever-changing game of MMA. Um, they're both striking specialists, but they both outgrappled the big and strong Felice Herrig, which I'm actually very surprised watching those back. I mean, they dominated that girl on the ground, which I did not think. But, you know, we all know this is going to be a striker's delight, boys. Um, with Watterson's stance-switching heavy kick game against one of the I think the best true eight point strikers in the world for the women's division in Carolina, this fight is going to be just amazing. Um, with both girls, not really having true KO power. I do see the full 15 on this one. Um, I see karate using a quick lateral movement, uh, lightning fast step and side kick roundhouse kicks. But, um, I think that Kovalkiewicz is actually going to really get this one. She does keep her hand up high, that right hand tight to her chin, ready to land that three piece with a soda. Um, so that roundhouse should be, um, not too effective for her, I think. Um, so you're going to be a beautiful strike. Oh, sorry. So you're going Go Carolina minus one fifty. It sounds like, right? Yeah, we'll take we'll take single ply toilet paper um, for the win. Decision. Right. <laughs> Carolina Kovalevich minus one fifty. She was knocked out viciously by Jessica Andrade. That was UFC two twenty eight last September in Dallas. So she took some time off. Gets back here. Kenny, I think Watterson right now, far and away, the best version of herself. Fighting prime, 33 years old, two straight wins, Courtney Casey, Felice Herrig. Her confidence is just on a completely different level, maximizing the promotional push that she is getting. The question is, does she vault into contention and take out the favorite Kovalkiewicz? This is a tough one. I think Michelle Watterson is right now at uh, the, the, the prime part of her career right now. I do agree with you there. Her confidence is high. 
She also gets off to a good start typically, but she can fade a little bit later in the fight. She can uh, lose her focus a little bit. Uh, I do like what she's doing with her takedowns here, but I, I don't think she's going to be able to take down Kovalkiewicz. I, I think it will be a battle in that clinch, um, you know, kind of the Muay Thai style clinch of Kovalkiewicz versus the wrestling of Michelle yeah. Watterson. Um, I, I think Watterson uh, has very good sidekicks. She needs to use them in this fight against the taller, lankier Kovalkiewicz. Um, but I don't think it's going to have a, a huge effect on Kovalkiewicz. I, I think Kovalkiewicz's link is going to be a problem for Watterson. I think she's going to be able to stop the takedowns. And I think Kovalkiewicz gets the win here uh, against Michelle Watterson. All right, you guys agree on the first two fights. Now we get to a featured bout at featherweight and a good one. A pick em according to Las Vegas. Josh Emmett, minus 115. Michael the Menace Johnson, minus 115. Kyle, who do you like here at featherweight? So really quick, I do want to give a shout-out to Meraki BJJ. Woo! Please call 424-292-8280. Yes. Or if you would like, just fucking Google Kenny Florian BJJ. It'll pop up on your screen, baby. Um, sorry about that. I just want to throw that in there for you, big guy. Um, but, yeah, Josh Emmett, man, he has true man strength. I mean, this guy has muscles on top of muscles. I mean, it's just it's crazy what this guy looks like. Um, he has really good lateral movement. Um, the only thing I really don't like, he doesn't really throw a lot of combinations. And I think with Michael Johnson's speed, he's going to need to touch him a couple times before he can land that. Um, I feel he keeps looking for these power strikes too much. Um, I do like his power, though. I mean, watch out. He's going to knock you the fuck out any second. Um, his cage awareness is very good. I mean, he, he angles away quick. Um, Michael Johnson, he has had issues. They've actually both have had issues making weight as of late. So this should be... Um, you know, let's hope they both make weight on this bad boy. Um, Michael Johnson did just fight a power puncher in Artem Lobov, so he knows what he's looking for. Um, and I think the southpaw stance is going to give Emmett Fitz a little bit. But he does have that quirky kind of T.J. Dillashaw, Dominic Cruz skip-step style with it. So he can go both ways, which is good. Um, let's be honest. I mean, Michael Johnson grew up in the UFC, so his record actually isn't what it should be. Um, and he did fight Gagey to it fight of the year i mean that fight was absolutely brutal and amazing um can't complain about that but i do actually think josh will land one on him um i feel like michael johnson's slowing down just a little bit so i think the power hooks will land i've got josh emmett ko i don't know third round all right michael johnson did miss weight by the way in moncton 147 pounds so good on you there kyle i somehow omitted that from memory when i was talking about mj earlier on but you're right about <clears throat> His UFC tenure may be affecting the pro record. 21st UFC appearance for Michael Johnson. Kenny's won two in a row. And Emmett back for the first time in more than a year when he was concussed by Jeremy Stevens. Emmett, 13-2. and two. Pick him according to Vegas, Flo. Who do you like? This is an interesting fight. Listen, I think that Michael Johnson at 155 pounds um, has that knockout power uh, to get it done. Um, at 145 against Josh Emmett, though, he, he doesn't seem to have that same kind of pop. Now, movement-wise, I think he can give some problems to Josh Emmett. When Michael Johnson is moving and moving laterally, yeah, he could be tough to catch. Um, for Josh Emmett, I, I think he needs to mix in his wrestling, mix in uh, th that striking, especially in close range. Not going to be easy against a fast Michael Johnson. Um, this is a tough one to pick, one that can certainly go either way, and I think the odds obviously uh, you know, show that. Uh, I'll go with Emmett. I'll go with Emmett here. All right, couple picks there on Josh Emmett. Now we get to the co-main event. Jack Hermanson, unranked right now at 185 pounds. He is the slight favorite here, minus 125 against 11th-ranked David Branch. Kyle, who do you like in the co-main? So both these guys are actually very underrated and not talked about enough in my book. Um, Shout-out to Barbershop Branch, Hall of Famer Matt Serratella, uh, wow, Brute Butcher, that one. Matt Terracera, Hall of Famer uh, nickname. That's good shit. Um, so David Branch, his head movement is actually top-notch. He moves his head so well that um, it's going to be tough for Hermanson's in-and-out floaty style to touch him. Um, he has a beautiful blast double, great head position on his takedowns. He keeps it off to the side so he can't get choked. Um, Hermanson's actually got that Tito Ortiz top game uh, inside the guard, which I feel like he moves too much in the guard to try to advance positions. I want him to stay there and just blast him with elbows in the guard and the punches. I think he can pull this off. So I'm, this is Hermanson's coming out party for me. Um, I've got uh, Hermanson winning this in a, in a decision. All right, Jack Hermanson, the pick to click for Kyle in the co-main. 
Two in a row for Hermanson. Ken Flo has won four or five overall. All of those finishes. David Branch is a beast, right? Proven commodity, certainly more so in this equation. The only man to beat Tiago Santos during this crazy run to contention for Maheta at light heavyweight. And that was a win by knockout for David Branch. But he's two and two in the second UFC stint. How do you see this one going down, Ken? Jeez, you know, this is a tricky one. I think for Hermanson, um, you know, he's tough on the feet. He's very durable. Um, I think he needs to fight that high-pressure uh, style against David and, and really try to back him up. Um, I think Branch technically is better. I think he's way more dangerous on the ground. Uh, not an easy matchup. This is another one that really could go either way. Hermanson's probably more durable, has a better chin, but I think Branch is way better on the ground. Um, I'm going to go with uh, a guy that I used to train with, David right. Branch. And in our scoring system, you do get underdog points for for David Branch if you are so incentivized. All right, main event, Edson Jr. Barboza, minus 155. Justin, the highlight, Gaethje, slight underdog, plus 125. Kyle will need the round and the method of victory here. Who do you like in the Philly headliner, kid? So can I have a second to give some shout-outs to homies? You can have like 50. Oh, you want me Okay, Christopher Silky Silkat, Eric Tacky Conway, Josh Mighty Man, Dre's Jimmy the Smart and Vaughn, my uh, two brothers-in-laws, Ryan and Peter, my sister Kate, my two nephews, Stephen Wanders and Jake Dibbs, and, of course, my beautiful wife, Nicole. Yes, right. how many of those um, people listen to the Anakin Florian podcast? All of them. Every fucking single one of them. Except <laughs> for the wife. She'll listen to this one, okay? She I will listen to this it. one. Okay. But uh, so this one is, uh, I love and hate this fight for two reasons. Um, one, because they're both my, some of my favorite fighters. I don't want to see either of them get a setback, um, to tell you the truth. I want them to both advance. Um, with this fight, it's like what my wife says to me all the time. I really hope this is going to last longer than five minutes. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> uh, this fight should be so much for MMA fans to gobble up. I'm expecting at least somebody needing a wheelchair after this fight. These two both have lethal, lethal leg kick games. And uh, let's be honest, though, Barboza is more technical. But to tell you the truth, Justin Gage just does, doesn't give a shit, which is my favorite thing. I mean, he'll throw it with reckless abandon. Um, I did notice with Gage's defense that he is susceptible to body strikes with his shell-up and lean-in style defense, which makes me nervous. That is the main reason I've been going back and forth on this fight. Uh, the two main reasons that I'm going with Gagey to highlight on this one, number one, this fucking corner man, Jason Perillo, baby, you know it. The UFC's paying his ass to be a corner man. Um, and number two, if you can believe it, it's actually Barbosa's striking defense that's going to set me over the edge. He does have great leg, leg kick checking, which is going to help him a little bit in this one, but it's his punching defense that pushed me over the edge. He doesn't faint enough for the crazy pressure that Barbosa's or that Gagey's going to put on him. And he's very susceptible to straight punches. Barboza looks to keep his hands up next to his ears, and he doesn't really parry very well or much at all. Um, but which should be a perfect uh, style for Gagey. Nah, you're fucking wrong. The craziest thing is Gagey actually throws his power hooks and his overhand right with a forward trajectory. I think he might be the only guy in the UFC that actually has straight power hooks, I guess. I mean, they're not crosses, they're hooks, but they come in straight. So I've got Gagey going with this one. He's going to um, split the different difference and uh, take away space and snap, crackle, pop, plus fucking Rice Krispie treats. Second round knockout for the highlight. And then after this fight, I want fucking Gagey with that dude you got tattooed on your leg and not the new <laughs> one coming in. The old one, baby, I want 209. I want Nate Diaz Gagey. <laughs> Fuck Conor McGregor right now. And who the fuck is me? Nobody. Well, you're Kyle That's Lund, hilarious. if we're ever back in <laughs> Seattle, my two UFC tickets are yours. Great job, buddy. Thanks for the time. Dude, thank you guys so much. Kenny, you're the man. John, you're awesome. You're the man. See you, buddy. Kyle Lund, making a return appearance here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. He got the oh. shout-outs in, and I kind of like what he hit on. This might be the wheelchair fight, Kenny, this main event. Woo! I think somebody probably going to end up in a wheelchair. Barboza, 21st UFC star for him. Knockout of Dan Hooker back in December. <clears throat> Man, the voice is going right at the end of the show. Gaethje knocked out James Vick as well. That was in August in a main event in Lincoln, Nebraska. Huge lightweight headliner on ESPN Live this Saturday night. The world wants to know on which side does Ken Flo fall. Oh, man. He had some decent analysis there uh, for sure. He, he just got Jason Perillo wrong. I mean, Jason Perillo doesn't right. corner him. Come on, Kyle. Jeez. All right. Well, listen. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I, I think that there's no doubt that Gaethje can win that fight. Gaethje uh, has, I, I think, 
more knockout power, in my opinion, with his hands than Edson Barbosa does. He's a high-pressure fighter, um, and he's going to need that style if he if he wants to beat Edson Barbosa. And you know, just like Ian said before, I mean, I want to see Gaethje u- utilize his wrestling, even if he just uses it once in a while, just something to kind of give a different look to a fighter instead of being too predictable. Um, but Gaethje is an absolute samurai. This is a guy who knows exactly who he is. He's a fucking warrior, and he will either, you know, knock you out or get knocked out. And he has no problem with either of those right. results. He, right. He's an absolute beast, and I love watching him fight. And it's going to be a great fight because of that. Now, with yeah. Edson Barbosa, he has more weapons. Um, I, I think he, this is one of those fights that most most likely he doesn't have to worry about the takedown. And those are the kind of fights that Edson Barbosa loses when he gets taken down, when he uh, has to fight on the ground off of his back, when he has to utilize a lot of energy to get back to his feet. I think Edson Barbosa needs to do two things. Beat up the legs of Gaethje and beat up the body of Gaethje. If he does that, he can set up the head kick knock, uh, knockout. Um, this is the benefit of going second, John. I get to go the other way. If right. I think it's a close fight, I'm going to go the other way with Edson Barbosa and try to pick up some points. I'll go with a knockout in round three. All right, round three, Edson Barbosa by knockout. You not, notice how we give you the floor to such an extent that we drop the guest picker. Exactly. Like they don't even here. get to hang on the line. Don't even hear what Ken Flo- No, of course, that we, we want to give Ken Flo as much time as possible without keeping that person on hold and that means they have to go back and listen to the podcast now the question is one of us got may rocky bjj's phone number incorrect so we'll take that conversation <laughs> off the air and not bore you any further but i really hope that i got it right and kyle did not or we're gonna have some issues all right oh, that's funny. we are back early next week i'm gonna be in new york city ken is gonna be doing battle boss but we're gonna find a way to make it work somehow some way either late monday maybe early tuesday as always, we'll keep you posted on that on social media. Thank you all for listening. UFC Fight Night this weekend, Barboza versus Gaethje. It is live Saturday night on ESPN. Hope you will tune in for that. With that, for Longo, DeSantis, Ken Flo, John Anikson, thank you all. Have a great week. Talk to you in less than seven days. Until then, you'll later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let sports garden. Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.